There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we've got a great work-from-home malicious compliance story. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, the principal of the school asked everyone to be 30 minutes early for the exam. 30 or so hours of overtime were paid, and she had to monitor the students herself. I'm a teacher. The principal we had at our school was the kind who got to this position because it was a way to escape teaching students. She was a teacher before taking the exam to be principal, which is common, and to flaunt the little authority it got her. One of the issues I had with her was about punctuality. She was especially a hard butt about it, which would have been fine if she weren't herself systematically late to everything. I loathe hypocrites, and it makes our job especially difficult to ask students to be on time at classes when the principal was half an hour late at a meeting she scheduled herself with their parents. Come the end of the year, and with it time for the baccalaureate, final exam of high school, the students start to receive their convocations for the exam week. When we see their convocations, we're already pissed because the time is wrong, on purpose. It would tell a student that they'd have to be there at 7.30 for a 4-hour test, without even telling them the test is actually scheduled to start at 8 and ends at 12. A few days later, the teachers receive their own convocations to monitor the tests. It's usual to get them after the students, though it was particularly late this year. For us, the scheduled time of the test is correct but it was mentioned on each of our convocations that we had to be present 30 minutes before the start of each test. I mean, we aren't going to be present at 8 o'clock exactly if the test is scheduled to start at that time. We don't want to screw the students over. We need a few minutes to get the test papers and let the students in the classroom so that we can start exactly on time. But 5 minutes is enough. 
10 at most. And as teachers, we're used to being there slightly before class starts anyway. Most of us simply ignored her and came to the exam on time as usual. But a dozen of us decided to comply, and we sent her emails tallying up the total numbers of hours we'd be working that week, adding that half hour before each test. She answered some BS that our tallies were wrong because she wasn't counting the half hour. We let that pass, we complied, and my colleagues declared their overtime. In the end, we came to about 30 hours of overtime total for doing jack crap that had to be paid. She also didn't seem to realize that my email was slightly different than that of my colleagues. Me, that's a bit different because I work part-time. As such, I'm not allowed to do overtime. The reason for that is because both part-time and overtime are paid more than regular hours, so it has to be either or. Come Friday, I sent a new email reminding her about the upcoming issue. No answers. The last four-hour test of the week starts at 1pm. At 2.25, I ask my colleague monitoring the next room over, who is in on the plan, to cover me for five minutes. There's a door between the exam rooms. We can stand there and watch both rooms to let the other take a bathroom break or something like that. I go to the principal's office. I remind her that there's a room full of students with two hours, 30 minutes left, and I don't know if she scheduled someone to take over for me. But I've already done all of my hours for this week, and since I'm not allowed to do overtime, I'm leaving. Now, as a teacher, I take pride in my punctuality and my ability to finish my speech exactly on time. I also purposely timed this one. Just after I told her I was leaving, I look at my watch. It's 3 seconds to 2.30. I look at her face while she gathers her thoughts. In 3 seconds, she went from confusion to realization to anger and just as she's about to answer, it's time. So I turn around and walk away. What are you doing? Stay here. We're not finished. I answer without looking back. Sorry, it's 2.30. My work is done. I'm not being paid to listen to you. I leave while I hear her half-coherent threats. She followed me, of course, but couldn't really talk loudly in the corridors while the exam was taking place. Plus, she still knows that loudly berating a teacher in public in full view and hearing of students would be extremely unprofessional. And she's the one who would get in trouble for that. More importantly, I know where I'm going. I pass in front of the classroom I was monitoring in earlier, I thank my colleague, point at the principal who's just catching up, red as a beat, and tell him, I brought you the principal. I leave as he greets her, thus intercepting her for me. I learned that she had to monitor the students herself, which must have pissed her off something fierce because she leaves early on Fridays. Next week, obviously, she requested that we had a talk in her office. I went with my union representative. We explained to her that it was not difficult to prove that she was the one in the wrong and that if she wanted to escalate the issue, we would have no problem getting it to the administrative tribunal. My union representative also made the open threat of a strike, that I and those who declared their overtime had the support of the union and teaching staff. See, I don't see how people could hear this and then follow that up with being anti-union. I guess it just depends what plateau you're on. If you're on the working class, I would think you would love for a union that has your back when you're going to get screwed over. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, pay for 20 hours of work, get 20 hours of work. 
This happened last year, and I've been waiting months to share the inevitable fallout, so please enjoy this lengthy tale of corporate stupidity. I'll begin by saying I work for a software company. I was working on a project for a client to customize part of the software and stuff. The project was very open-ended, mostly because the client kept changing their mind about what they wanted. So the contract was time and materials, meaning that I had an hourly rate, I would log all the time worked on the project in half hour intervals, and every week my company would bill the client company for the hours spent on the project. The client said they didn't care how much effort it took, they wanted a good product and they wanted it before the end of the year, so they could present it at their big internal meeting. At the beginning, the project went great. Every week I had a meeting with the client and I would get feedback on the progress as well as new requests they might have and then I'd spend however long it took to implement the changes. I'd bill them 15 hours, 20 hours, 25 hours, or however many it had been. Slowly, over time, the client started requesting more and more. I told them during the meeting, this feature will require X days of work, changing that will require Y more days, and so on. But again, the client insisted they needed all those extra features. They also complained that the project wasn't advancing quickly enough, and insisted they needed the project completed before the end of the year. I talked to my manager and explained the situation. To be able to finish quickly enough, I needed to work full time on this project. My manager moved my other projects to different people, and we told the client that until the end of the year, I would work full time on the project to ensure we hit all the deadlines. The client was overjoyed for about a month. The following month, the client is pissed and is demanding to know why we're charging them so much. I pull out my timesheets and explain that, as agreed, I've been working full-time and more on their project. Every week I've been logging between 45 and 50 hours of work, and I have detailed notes specifying exactly how I've spent that time. I'm not particularly concerned about being accused of stealing time because I'm a fast worker and most tasks have been completed more quickly than the original estimates. Besides, I point out that I'm now working twice as many hours as before, so it's costing the client twice as much per week. But I'm also completing tasks twice as quickly and will be finished in half the time. The client unfortunately doesn't appreciate my use of logical reasoning. They accuse my company of taking advantage, and they say that starting from next week, they no longer want to pay for more than 20 hours of work per week. I tell them, sure, we can do that, but it's October already and you want the project completed by the end of the year. Given the amount of work still left to do, I'll need more hours to finish. The client doesn't let me explain and says that we're not to bill them for anything more than 20 hours per week. They will not pay us for more than 20 hours per week and they want this in writing or they'll cancel the entire project. And my manager says, of course, the customer's always right. This was an evil, evil act of malicious compliance, so please read until the end before getting angry at my manager. He's a great guy. So my manager sends the client an email confirming that, starting from date, my engagement with them will be capped at the maximum of 20 hours per week. He also attaches a spreadsheet of the estimated time to develop all the new features of the project, how many hours I'd spent so far, and how many hours I projected to spend to complete it. The client smugly acknowledges this. Before the end of the week, my manager gives me back my other project, as well as a new one. You see, at the time we were understaffed because we were growing too quickly 
and we were getting more requests for new projects that we could handle. So there would have been no point in stealing hours from this client and pissing them off when we can take on a couple of new clients instead and bill everyone for the actual work and keep everyone happy. So starting from next week, my new schedule is 20 hours with pissy client, 10 hours with client B, and 15 hours with client C. It works great for me. It doesn't work that great for pissy client. At our next weekly meeting, one of the features they requested isn't ready yet. At the following meeting, I tell them we'll need to move the deadline for the next milestone by two weeks. Then it's the beginning of December, and they ask me if I would be able to make some last-minute changes and still deliver the project by the end of the year. And I say, oh, there's no way the project can be finished by the end of the year. We have yet another meeting with the client and my manager. My manager asks me why I'm missing this huge deadline. I say, do you remember when I was talking about all the work that still needed to be done and how long it would take? In October, we estimated the project needed another 60 days of work. I worked 10 days in October and 10 days in November because you said 20 hours max per week. It's going to take about 40 more days of work to finish this project. It's December. Even if I work overtime, there's not 40 days left before the end of the year. Manager's like, yep, makes perfect sense. Client does the shocked Pikachu face. They act like this is the first they've heard about not being able to meet the deadlines, even though I've been telling them for weeks. Unfortunately, they're the kind of person who never listens to what they don't want to hear. At first, they wanted the work done quickly, so they didn't think that if I worked more hours, I would bill them for more hours. Then they wanted to be billed for fewer hours, so they didn't consider that I would work fewer hours on the project and things would get done much more slowly. Unfortunately for the client, who would like to pretend that we were springing this on them at the last minute, we had tons of emails to show them we had told them well in advance. My manager's email back in October had even included an estimate of when the project would be completed based on number of hours worked per week. Our butt was well and truly covered. Now, as for the fallback, the client kicked and screamed and demanded that I go back to work on their project full-time, or even that my company should provide a second person to help me meet the deadline at the end of the year. It's January, and the project is still unfinished, so you can guess how well that went. The client had to move the big presentation of the new software and was not happy about it, and about having to explain it all to their own CEO, but we told them very nicely in corporate tones to pound sand. I was already scheduled to work on two other projects for the next few months, and it had been hard enough to put me full-time on this project the first time. My manager's not going to leave another two clients hanging, especially not to please this pissy client who keeps changing their mind and threatens to cancel their contract every other week. As a company, we do our best to keep the client happy, but there's a limit to everything, especially when someone goes out of their way to not listen when we try to explain how cause and effect works. Sometimes there's a level of dense you just cannot cut through. When you're dealing with somebody like this, I think they did it perfectly, you just gotta let them fall on their own butt and realize, after the fact, how blatantly obvious it had been all along, even with the people trying to help make it clear. Our next story is, work from home means paid time off, guess we're off then. We have a hybrid policy, two day on site, three days work from home. We can't pick the day we work from office, this changes every month. Most of us are on salary, so work can go on till late night or end after an hour. 
On days that I have a heavy workload, I prefer to work from home and go to the office on another day. One day, all members from my team, three of us, decided to work from home, heavy workload. Only time this has happened since the office opened a year ago. Manager got pissed off, she sent a patronizing email. In her mail to us, she said that she would count this as us not working that day. Decided to ignore her until we got a mail from upper management parroting my manager's words. Turns out most people have a heavy workload and whole teams with their managers are working from home. My manager wouldn't know since she delegates her work. Anyways, she escalated the matter and upper management decided to agree with her. My team had a meeting and decided if we're losing our PTO, we're using our PTO. We sent a mail to our manager stating the same, including a list of things she needs to do since we're off. We spoke to other teams who did the same with upper management. We logged off and switched off our work phone. Manager had to do the work herself. OP later updated saying that the work from home to PTO policy was removed. Unfortunately, still gotta go to the office, but they can choose the days. To me, I think this seems like a kind of weird policy where it's almost asking too much of your employees. I just would hate to have to be so like on call to go in the office. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.